0: Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. Hey, I'm Christian Sager. Christian, what comes to mind when I mention the word spite, when I mention spite as, a, uh, as, as an aspect of, of human
0: behavior? Well, the very first thing I thought of when we started talking about doing this episode is a scene in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. when Khan, spoilers for a movie that's like 30 years old, Mm -hmm. uh, when Khan is uh, dying, but he decides that he's going to, you know, take himself out along with uh, the Enterprise. And he recites the whole speech, Captain Ahab's speech, from Moby Dick, which, you know, the two parallel pretty well together. So I think of uh,
1: Khan Noonien Singh when I think of spite. Okay, well, yeah, i think I think Khan is definitely a very spiteful character because ultimately he ends up in a situation where he can't win. right And he could bow out gracefully, but Khan's not going to do that. right. There's too much pride. There's too much ego there. Uh, he's he's laying it all on the line, so he'd rather he'd rather strike back and perish and get like just just to you know raise the middle finger to Kirk rather than uh, than just go out. yeah, this gracefully. is definitely the core of trying to figure out spite,
0: not not just like, Uh, how it works psychologically in our human minds, but Mm -hmm. also, like, our definition of it. When you go and you look it up on the dictionary,
1: it doesn't really include uh, or encapsulate how we think of it, right? Yeah, because uh, some of the studies that we get into, uh, well, one in particular... um talks about talks about spite and says, in general, spite differs from aggression, which can be exercised at little risk to an aggressor. Spite carries a cost as if one were calculating that a loss is worthwhile if it takes a toll on one's opponent as well. But you don't necessarily see that in your standard Webster's Dictionary. uh,
0: Right. Yeah. So the idea here is that you are willing to hurt yourself. At the expense of being able to hurt someone else,
1: right? And that hurt is not necessarily physical. Like the the most extreme example that comes to a lot of people's minds, I'm sure, is something like a suicide bomber. Yeah, you know, where they're they are saying, "I will die violently in this cause to cause harm to others." But then also something, you know, spite that we've all probably experienced uh, on one side or the other. uh, If you've ever taken your time pulling out of a parking spot because you don't like <laughs> right. the look of that car or that driver that's waiting on it. Maybe they're being a little rude. Mm-hmm. And so in that case, the the cost is not nearly as high as losing your life, but you are willing to look a little bit like a jerk in order to make sure that person gets what's coming to them.
0: Yeah, it, um, so it makes me think of like methods of conflict management, and mm-hmm. uh, there's there's several different ways that you can manage conflict. But this would be what's called the competitive method of conflict management, right? Where you're basically competing against another person to win in yeah. the conflict, right? And in this si- situation, you're not even winning. It's a it's a lose lose. Yeah, you know, it's, everybody loses. Yeah,
1: like actually, your whole re- your whole goal here in leaving the parking lot is to leave the parking lot and presumably get where you're going next uh, in the shortest amount of time right. uh, that's required. Yeah. So you're you're hurting your own objectives you're you're looking like a jerk doing it there's really no benefit other than you feel that you know that ego stroke and some sort of deep animalistic um, pride in having you know put one over on the next guy
0: it's not an effective method of problem solving that's for sure but it's something that i think is within all of us uh I, i have to admit that as we were researching this i was really digging deep inside myself trying to remember examples where i'd been spiteful
1: and i and i couldn't really uh,
0: yeah I, I and and i'm sure i have been I'm even not, the
1: even the mild stuff like driving around the
0: only uh yeah i'm i am an angry driver mm-hmm. but not a spiteful driver i, I so no i can't okay. think of it wouldn't be like that but um i the only thing i could think of it in, as like a practical example of is if there's somebody who i personally don't like I won't, and I won't support their work. Like, mm-hmm. whether it's a book that they wrote or a film that they produced or acted in or whatever, uh, e- no, even if people are like, you have to see this. It is the best thing ever. You're, you know, it's going to change your life. It's, it's the, 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 the best storytelling. And I go, nope. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to give that person my 10 bucks. Okay. Well, then the cost there could be it, my own edification. Yeah, I suppose. Well, you,
1: You're in your mess, you're missing out on the potential joys of this product because yeah. of the um, the vendetta, if you will.
0: Well, what it reminds me of is uh, you ever read the police blotter in Creative Loafing here in Atlanta? Yeah, yeah. I think that they have this in a lot of alt weeklies ar- around the world, but here in Atlanta, our alt weekly does this thing where they take—I don't know—every week there's like maybe five or six little snippets out of the actual Atlanta Police Department's log. Uh, and of just the craziest stories. And almost always, every week, there's one story that involves spite in some way. It's somebody who's doing something illegal or something to hurt another person that mm-hmm. ultimately ends up getting them arrested, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and they're always c- completely whacked out crazy stories. Uh Some of my favorites involve just like, you know, people uh, wear, half naked, scrambling down the streets and screaming in the middle of the night. But... Uh, that's not exactly spiteful. That's just you know crazy.
1: Yeah, I and mean, you certainly see it show up too at times with police encounters where someone uh, decides that the best thing they can they can do during this encounter is to be spiteful to the the officer. Yeah. yeah
0: right yeah uh that's an interesting thing that it, it brings out law enforcement seems to bring
1: spite out in mm-hmm. people and, and on both sides i mean, mm-hmm. not, not to imply there's 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 never some spite from the, oh, yeah, the police side, no right? no absolutely
0: um so okay let's let's have some fun with this for a second okay so uh dungeons and dragons alignment chart you know for those of you out there you know that robert and i are, are really into geeky stuff like this so uh what is a where's spite fall i'm thinking it's neutral evil Hmm. it's not necessarily chaotic there's there there's determination to it obviously it doesn't follow a rule-oriented
1: uh you know practice yeah i think lawful evil is probably where most of your spite's going to fall but okay but uh, and, and in that we you know we definitely have to think about some of the the spiteful characters we've encountered in things. Like like when I was mm-hmm. trying to think of some, in addition to Ahab and Khan, yeah. Cersei Lannister comes to mind from Game <laughs> of Thrones as being right. a very spiteful uh, character who, you know, she has some, some key values, you know, the importance of her family and the importance of her family, mm-hmm. but she's often willing to jeopardize all of it out of spite for uh, an enemy or a perceived enemy. So, if, where would, where would Cersei land in the, the Dungeons and Dragons alignment chart? Is yeah, she lawful evil? I guess you'd,
0: yeah, I guess you would yeah. have to say she's lawful evil. Uh, she, because she works within the, I guess, uh, system of rule, yeah. right? Uh,
1: yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. Another one that came to mind, and this one's a much harder one to nail down because there's, you know, a lot of, a lot of his motivations are still up for discussion and continue, uh, to, you know, to be, to be an item of discussion among, um, uh, Critics, but uh, Iago in uh, Shakespeare's Othello.
0: Okay, yeah, I saw this. Give me a little refresher on this because it's been a while since I've read Othello.
1: Well, basically, Iago is the the character that just works against Othello the whole time, yeah, and just you know, just really kind of ruthlessly. but you never really have a clear sense why. Like it's right. not a situation where it's like, "Oh, Othello killed my father," or, or you know. The, the, generally, it's a to try and figure out why Iago is so obsessed with taking down Othello. You have to uh, it, you have to apply some uh, some outside uh, uh, interpretation, yeah. such as uh, I think Kenneth Branagh when he played Iago, he. He ha- he approached it as if Iago uh, had feelings for Othello, and so his oh. like his his deep rooted hatred came out of uh, you know inner conflict over his uh, like the his theater, like he was spurned somehow. Yeah. Okay. So Iago's a harder character to to nail down, but I think there's there's a, a certain amount of spite yeah. to what he does in the play.
0: Yeah. Well, I uh, you know when I was researching this, uh, one thing that I didn't realize was like a a thing was Building homes out of spite. Uh, <laughs> apparently, like if you if you just search the word "spite" mm-hmm. on Google, uh, within at least two or three pages, you'll find galleries of homes that were built in spite of their neighbors. Uh, and I didn't realize this was a thing. It's like people are purposely building homes to annoy their neighbors that aren't necessarily practical or functional homes that they, they themselves enjoy living in. Are you in. You're
1: talking just like mildly so? Because you're always hearing about like, oh, they're building a modern home and it's out of keeping with the traditional homes in the neighborhood. Yeah, I think it's more along those okay. lines. Yeah. Because then you also yeah. see those stories like the guy in England who had a giant shark like embedded in the roof of his house.
0: I'm sure that would fall under yeah. this. I'm thinking along the lines of like that house in Beetlejuice, you know, like <laughs> like the, the weird like postmodern uh, art house that they had there but in that case you know there was no neighborhood in this i think it would be like you know your next-door neighbors would would hate you because it would bring down the property values or something like that but this is apparently like like i found multiple galleries of this so apparently
1: it's a phenomenon you know it brings to mind uh i can't remember the character's name offhand but the um the individual that Kevin Spacey portrayed in Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Mm, you know, I have never seen that. Ah. My wife loves that movie, but I still haven't seen I it. I remember yeah. it being good, but a New Orleans uh, resident. And uh, if I remember correctly, uh, the individual he plays is kind of an eccentric uh, kind of character. Mm-hmm. And um, they were filming uh, some sort of historical piece in his neighborhood. Okay and they like covered the the streets in dirt and you know their horses standing around or whatever and it's kind of a big inconvenience for everybody and they sure. were going to be shooting potentially with his house in the background cuz it's one of these nice old uh, homes and so he uh he just draped a large Nazi flag <laughs> you know swastika and all right there on the oh, the front porch uh-huh. out of spite you know it's yeah. like oh you're going to you, yeah. you're going to film this neighborhood and film my house as the backdrop well I'm going to do this which makes it yeah. completely useless for your shoot and also it also brands me, me as me a crazy. nazi yeah.
0: to my all of my neighbors yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow okay yeah i
0: mean that could work for sure i i mm, so I, uh, let's get into like the where this saying of because the when we think of spite it's always you know that that phrase to cut your nose off to spite your face.
1: So let's oh, think yes. of like where this came from. What where, where is this? Well, it apparently dates back to at least around the 12th century, and uh, it's generally attributed to pious women who are disfiguring themselves in order to protect their virginity against pirates, Vikings, invading armies, etc. Basically, wow. just to to try and you know disfigure themselves so that they will be. Uh, looked over when the assaults began.
0: Yeah, I read a little bit about this. Uh, This was not something I knew about before researching this episode. These were uh, mostly women, uh, and this is a common phrase you'll hear me say, during medieval times, Mm -hmm. uh, that, um, you know were so religious that they wanted to preserve their virginity, right? And the idea, I mean, this isn't, when we're talking disfiguring, it's not just like, you know, they give themselves a scar. They were cutting off their own noses, yeah. literally cutting off their mm-hmm. nose, uh, cutting off their cheeks, cutting off their upper lips. Uh, and uh, some of these people actually ended up becoming saints, uh, in some sense. So, Saint Ebba was one that I found, uh, who inspired nuns to cut off their own noses and upper lips to prevent themselves from being raped. Um, and there were a couple others
1: in there as well but yeah this is that is a practice that i was unfamiliar with yeah i was also reading that uh, it also might be linked to medieval acts of spite in which the okay. nose is cut off as a kind of uh, right. punishment um, and and you know, sadly you see this kind of thing continue uh in the world today in right. some of the, you know war torn uh, regions of the world where uh, uh Women in particular are particularly victimized by having their their nose cut off. Right, the mutilation is yeah. sort of a a marking. Yeah, yeah. And as graphic as that is, though, uh, remember that because when, later in the episode we will start to discuss the links between spite and. Uh, and punishment uh, in, in, a lo- in a lawful system.
0: Yeah, it seems like there's a connection between those things and then altruism as well. It's, yes. like, it's like this uh, coin where you've got spite on one side and altruism on the other, and it seems like they're connected uh, in human psychology. So uh, it turns out that there were a, a lot of studies at least at least four that we found for the for this episode yeah. on spite and sort of its origins and how it works within human beings and and
1: animals too right yeah, I mean it's apparently you know many uh, researchers consider it to be an understudied area but uh, but we were able to find some interesting uh, uh, papers about spite and where it comes from and what it means uh, the most uh, you know, basic place to start of course would be just to ask are humans the only spiteful creatures is spite possible? in any other animal on right. the planet.
0: And I would think any cat owner would assume
1: uh, that the answer <laughs> is no, right? Well, yeah, yeah, you would. Certainly cats seem to do a lot of things <laughs> out of spite. My cat does. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mine does as well. But, but of course... Anytime you're dealing with human interactions, like how much are we projecting on them, right? We're right. just anthropomorphizing their... Because, mm-hmm. you know, they're basically just doing a bunch of stupid stuff. And then we <laughs> just assume, oh, well, you did that to spite me. Why did you get crap on the wall? This when is why we like box.
0: watching videos of them on the Internet yeah. so much. is because they remind us of our own frailties.
1: Yeah. Sadly, the research we're looking at doesn't look at the spiteful cat. Okay, uh, That would have... I, I would like to read a study uh, looking at spite in felines, but uh, in particular, this was a 2006 study conducted at the Wolfgang Kohler Primate Research Center in Leipzig, Germany, okay. uh, by Max Planck Institute researchers. And uh, yeah, they're looking at chimpanzees, which, of course, is a great place to look because yeah, you want that to seems like the, logical the closest step. model. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Before we get into what they found, let's describe the methodology here because it's a little—I uh, think it's a little complicated, right? So, um, Dr. Kenneth. Do, sorry, Dr. Keith Jensen and his team. They presented the the chimps that they had in captivity with this choice. By the way, this all sounds like like an origin film for Planet of the Apes somehow. <laughs> like it, it it was a little scary. Uh, they gave them the choice to pull one of two ropes, and by pulling these ropes, they would either deliver food to another chimzi- chimpanzee. Or deliver it to an empty room. And I'm assuming too that like all of the chimpanzees involved in this can see one another and see these empty rooms. Uh, in either case, the chimpanzee pulling the rope did not receive any food themselves, right? So there was, they didn't get food themselves even though they were hungry. So they had a choice to either give the food to the other chimp or,
1: uh, send it to an empty room as a spiteful action towards the other chimp. Yeah. And the chimp wants food. It's a hungry chimp, you know? yeah. Uh so you can imagine yourself in that in a, in a similar scenario. If you had uh you had your most favorite meal in the world yeah, let's say it's, I don't know, a deep dish pizza. Okay. And it's right there, right there behind the glass. Mm-hmm. You can't eat it. Mm-hmm. You can pull one rope and have it uh, land on a plate for uh, another hungry individual that you don't necessarily know, and they can eat it. Or out of spite, you can just deliver it to an empty room and watch it rot. Yeah. If I can't eat it, then that chimp is definitely not eating Right, and you both will sit there uh,
0: mouths watering And hungry and sad.
1: Yeah, I mean this plays into the the basic spite principle. If I can't have X, then nobody will have X, right? So what happened? Well, they expected they were expecting to see some some spite here, but in half the cases, the chimp didn't pull either of the ropes. Yeah, that's interesting
0: to me that they just decided to 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 be inert, basically, not not bother.
1: A quarter of the time, they'd pull one rope. A quarter of the time, they'd pull the other. But mostly. They didn't even bother. They they ended up not showing altruism by delivering the yeah. food to the uh, the hungry chimp and they also didn't show spite by delivering it to the empty room. So they just didn't care. Yeah. What like, would, what would you do in this uh, scenario? Uh, I don't think I'm. I'm so against food wasting. I think if I couldn't have it, I I would want it to go to that individual. I, I can hard. I, have, I can I have a hard time imagining a situation where I'd send the food to an empty.
0: Yeah, room. not to make myself sound like a pious person because I'm certainly not. But I would do the same thing. <laughs> I would rather see the other person eat it. I, I, and almost like on some level, I think that there's a. Uh, Biological satisfaction there.
1: Mm-hmm. If well, how, you're
0: not able to eat it,
1: well, let's throw. Everyone always throws out the whole time travel, you know, the, the ludicrous time travel thing. Would you go back in time to murder Hitler? Mm-hmm. Which of course has all, there's all, there's so many problems with that that question. Yeah, uh, but let's put Hitler in this. So, okay, the deep dish pizza, Hitler in the room, and then there's an empty room. Do you yeah. send, you can't eat the pizza? Do you send it to Hitler and let him eat it, or does it go to the empty room out of spite? Yeah,
0: I'd, I'd still, I'd still give Hitler a pizza. Yeah. I mean. Uh, despite what he's, you know, horrible atrocities he's done, uh, guy, guy deserves to eat. Yeah,
1: we waste enough food in this country. Right. Yeah. Well, let him eat the pizza, and we'll 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 worry about the other concerns later. So yeah, and this. Uh, but the, the interesting thing about the study is that not only does it cast light on spite as this particularly human emotion, but it also makes us consider altruism, which, right. which likewise is a trait that's largely attributed to humans. Now, granted, there are some some strong cases to be made for altruism in species such as the dolphin, mm-hmm. but uh, we can only be certain about ourselves. We we are altruistic. We do a, we do a lot to help other people. Uh, but we're also spiteful so there seems to be this definite connection between the two
0: yeah it certainly seems like a very human practice uh again like the the two sides of the altruism spite coin i mean i know i'm sure that there are many pet owners out there right now that are thinking well i've had moments where i've been sad or angry or whatever and my pet has come over and mm-hmm. and given me attention uh, and, and whether they were or not, you know, it felt like they were doing this out of altruism too, mm-hmm. because they didn't want their owner to be sad. Uh, they wanted to, uh, make them happier.
1: Yeah. And of course there've been plenty of studies that, um, or at least, uh, you know, there are plenty of arguments out there that break down altruism and say, well, is anything really altruistic? Are you ever really doing anything right. solely for the good of doing it? Or are you at the very least doing it to make yourself feel better?
0: Right. There must be some, uh,
1: subjective r-
0: Subjective,
1: objective yeah. at hand. And the more you think about altruism and spite and, and then look back on the Dungeons and Dragons uh, um, alignment chart, yeah. it does seem, you know, certainly you can say lawful evil is where most of your really spiteful behavior would go. Right. But realistically, you're probably going to see spite pop up in any given uh alignment, right?
0: Yeah, I mean right, the D&D chart is always just like a silly way to kind of try to frame the world <laughs> into yeah. an easily uh, into nine easy to understand philosophies of life but yeah, I, I, I can imagine that there's scenarios in which Gandhi probably felt spiteful. Yeah, I the, mean t- everybody's going to have an day. If Gandhi's in a room and you're in a room, mm-hmm. and there's a pizza, and you can pull
1: it with a rope, do you give it to Gandhi, or do you let it fall into uh, the empty room? How oh, was well, is Gandhi? Is he fasting in this particular scenario? Because then I'd, f- I'd feel like a real oh, yeah. jerk if I sent a pizza to him. Yeah, I would, that's I would true. need to send it to the empty room as much as that would. But I
0: think that it would show his resolve if you sent it to him and he still didn't eat
1: it. Oh, okay, so we're we're
0: helping him mm-hmm. to, uh, to make his statement. Okay, yeah. well, maybe. So that leads us. To the study that was done on the different types of personalities and how they interact with spite, right? Yeah,
1: definitely. And they did not use the Dungeons and Dragons alignment chart, but <laughs> that's um, unfortunate. But but they did uh, they, they did look at, uh, at at a number of individuals and, and try and figure out well who what type of personalities are going to contain the most spite. Mm-hmm. So so this research was conducted by researchers from uh, Washington State University and the University of British Columbia. And uh, they attempted to measure spitefulness with a test similar to those used for personality traits. Right, and they came up with like a scale, right? Like mm-hmm. how they they actually surveyed. So
0: one thing I think is interesting about this this is this is my experience from going to graduate school makes me critical of almost every study. Like I don't they they very much hammered it into our heads that like any study you're presented with find holes in it and immediately oh, yeah. take it apart. And the 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 thing that I that first struck me about this was that. The people that they surveyed were all at universities.
1: Yeah, this is a problem we uh, we discussed in um, an episode from earlier this year uh-huh. about uh, about your studies. Is so often you're yeah. you're inevitably dealing with uh, with a bunch of uh, you know. Waspy college students in these scenarios? Yeah, right?
0: they're they're all. I, what this tells us is how spiteful uh, academics and their and their students are. Not necessarily what the world is. Right. It's not it's not a general population example here. But they developed this spitefulness scale. They surveyed what twelve hundred people at two different universities, mm-hmm. and it was online, right? Yeah. So they were able to um, get some older participants in as well. Yeah, so maybe try those and bounce it out a bit. Yeah, know? maybe those people weren't involved with the university.
1: And they, yeah, they, using this scale, they, um, they graded them how much they agreed with 17 different scenarios, such as, if my neighbor complained that I was playing my music too loud, then I might turn the music up even louder just to irritate him or her, even if it meant I could get fined. So this is, this Mm. is actually another great spiteful. This is a
0: real world example that I can relate to. N- being the neighbor in this situation, oh yeah, the, uh, the loud neighbor or the uh, with the thoughtful it, neighbor. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't call myself either. But uh, I, when I very first moved to Atlanta, there was a person who lived directly below me that played uh, very, very loud dance music all night, uh, and um, you know it was. I think maybe a week went by, and my wife and I were like, "All right, this is this is a little bit much." We thought maybe it was like a one night thing. My wife went downstairs. <clears throat> knocked on the door to, mm-hmm. to ask this guy if he would, uh, turn the music down. And he told his dog to sick her. Ah. Huh. Yeah. And luckily, uh, my wife is good with animals, so the dog just kinda jumped up and she pet
1: it. But, I, I <laughs> she maybe snapped it, snapped it. But no.
0: <laughs> my wife is also a lethal <laughs> assassin. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this guy was definitely, uh, playing his music, uh, at us out of spite. I mean, even after she had asked us. So did then you he turn going.
1: up your music to, to make his music less enjoyable? I
0: have to admit that there... Yes, this was... Okay, here we go. This is one of my moments where I was spiteful. Yeah. Uh, At the time, I I was playing... Because we had just moved here, I was playing all of my music through a 4x12 guitar amp that I had, which
1: is very loud. And yeah, I cranked it up. (laughs) All right, another one on the list, just to give another example... I would rather no one get extra credit in a class if it meant that others would receive more credit than me. That one's strange to me. Yeah, like that. That one I feel like because the other example is more like if you push me, I'm going to push back, right? Right. Even if we end up both miserable. Like if 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 one, I would rather us both be miserable than just me be miserable. Like that. That one I can I can see. This one is more uh, like if uh, I refuse to lose. And, yeah. and I don't care what the cost is. It's
0: that competition thing again, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Well, so the results of this test weren't particularly shocking, were they? Like, no. they, they compared it to uh, other personality tests that marked things like aggression, psychopathy, narcissism, self-consciousness, self-esteem. And this one I found interesting, Machiavellianism. Yeah. So how do you measure Machiavellianism is one thing I'd like to, to learn more <laughs> about. But what surprised me about it as well is that <clears throat> if you are Machiavellian, aren't you uh, by nature inherently uh, manipulating planning so that
1: you see benefit, so that you win? Well, to, to go back to Game of Thrones a little bit, Littlefinger, you know, okay. very Machiavellian. Yeah, yeah. Is he ever spiteful? Does he ever do things out of spite? Does he ever include a little spite bonus item in his uh, actions? Oh, wow. That's an interesting question. And I don't want to get
0: into too much spoiler territory for people. Although, mm-hmm. I mean, it's everywhere at this point. But I, I can't really think of a particular example. Can you mm-hmm. not offhand? It seems like he's the, a chess player. That's for sure.
1: It seems like maybe there's some unintentional spite. At yeah. Times. Like spite is just kind of a, a byproduct. Like I'm going to get what I want. I'm going to play the long game yeah. to get what I want. Yeah. And uh, you're going to lose <laughs> when I win. But is, yeah, but how much he doesn't necessarily seem to go out of his way to, to add extra hurt icing on top of what he does, which is a compliment in the game of Thrones world.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, let, we'll, let's go into this for a second. Spoilers for game of Thrones season one and the first book. Uh, so when he, you know, makes his whole uh, move for power mm-hmm. in that first season, he uh gets ned stark killed and even though that wasn't his intention he was spiteful towards ned stark because ned stark married the woman he wanted to be married to
1: okay yeah you're right so
0: it was it was a it didn't hurt him though so i don't know that it was spite he won yeah yeah i don't i wouldn't call it spite yeah i don't think it was spite but. yeah well, that's interesting. I'm sure uh, somebody out there will, will have an example for us of Littlefinger's spitefulness. I, I real side note here, uh, I love uh, over at IO9. They have this theory that all of Game of Thrones is just a, a, a chess game between Littlefinger and Varys, huh. and that uh, it's just all about their Machiavellian moves against one another. So, okay. so if there is spite in 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 uh, in either of their stories, it would somehow impact the others.
1: Now coming back to this uh this study, uh just to 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 throw out where the spite seemed to pool in the study. Uh they saw most spite in people uh among people who uh, scored high in psychopathy. Okay. Um those who were particularly callous, unsympathetic, unemotional. And uh they saw uh, spitefulness was also greater in people who scored high in narcissism and Machiavellianism. So mm. so that's that's
0: also um interesting to think about because if they're unemotional, mm-hmm. um, then what pleasure are they getting out of the spiteful action?
1: Hmm. You know, I wonder if it's people who are, like, purely... Like, like maybe we we get into a, uh, kind of a false model with some of these fictional uh, Machiavellian individuals. Like, mm. maybe nobody's really that Machiavellian. And it's yeah. more about, I, I'm spiteful, and if I think about my own spite in a Machiavellian sense, then I'm not being spiteful, like you're just... Uh, You're, you're gonna lose against me and you're gonna pay the consequences of that. But, but spite is not the spearhead of it on my motivation. It's not the, it's not the fuel for the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's possible. Now people with lots of guilt scored low. Okay. But those with shame scored higher. So that's interesting to make that distinction, distinction because Mm -hmm. uh, if, if you're guilty, you did something bad. But if you're shameful, you are bad. Uh, in, in terms of how we think about guilt and shame.
0: Yeah, and and this is also the study where it short, they they first came up with the conclusion that men score higher on the spite scale than women, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like how it was phrased here: the dark triad of
1: psychopathy, narcissism, and Machiavellianism. Yeah, the dark triad. <laughs> so they even though they weren't exactly using uh, the Dungeons and Dragons alignment system, they ended right. up by uh, using language that uh, made me think of it.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then also children – well, th- this is another thing that they found in this study. Children will often pick up on a situation that invites spite, but they won't necessarily act on it, right? But they realize what's going on when they yeah. have the opportunity for it. And yet at the uh, same time, they found that older people are less likely to be
1: spiteful than younger people. Hmm. So on the, the children's side of it, I, 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 can ima- I imagine – it's the, a lot of it is that you have to you have to learn that spiteful behavior. Like it's one thing to recognize, well this isn't fair what has happened. Mm-hmm. But then to, to 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 get to that point where you can act act out spitefully because of it. Yeah. That's that's something you have to pick up.
0: So uh, this is uh, all right, this has no basis in the studies that we read for for today's episode, but I'm thinking here that it's possible that spite and maybe also altruism are learned behaviors that have to be modeled, right? And that—that that is why human beings are more likely to have them uh, than chimpanzees, for instance. The chimps don't have models that are showing them how to be spiteful. Maybe if you showed those chimpanzees uh the spiteful action of withholding a pizza from Hitler mm-hmm. uh, and then laughed about it with them a couple times, then they would do it. They would be more likely to do it
1: yeah and as, as we'll we'll discuss uh in a, in, the, in the next section um it, it seems that, that altruism and spite kind of emerge from a sufficiently complex system mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um, that, that maybe it's just a situation where it like, chimpanzee intelligence and culture has just not reached the level to where Spite and altruism emerge to do battle with each other. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, I say let's
0: avoid the Planet of the Apes scenario. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't want a, you know, or rather what the dawn of the Planet of the Apes scenario. Not, not, not the first one with Charlton Heston, but the more recent ones. You know, I don't want to teach. These animals are are
1: failings. Yeah, well, and I don't want to see them riding around on horses either. No, yeah. or shoot me. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. All right, so the next uh, bit of research we looked at, this is uh, this came from uh, Patrick Forber of Tufts University and Roy Smead of of Northeastern, and they applied game theory to the study of spite, designing a cu- computer model of virtual players challenging each other to a single round of the ultimatum game.
0: Okay, well, as somebody who has played uh MMORPGs before or really any online gaming system, I'm going to imagine that they found that spite was uh, pretty heavily dominant within a, a gaming community.
1: Are there spiteful gamers? Oh God, it feels like it when
0: you're playing it. Yeah. yeah, the 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 people who um, I don't forget what it's called. It's like they jump up and down on your corpse after they've killed you.
1: Oh, I haven't <laughs>
0: heard of that one. Yeah. I guess that's not spiteful. They're not hurting
1: themselves, but yeah, people will certainly do like a Well, that's the thing about gaming online, right? Is you mm-hmm. have a lot of of room to be spiteful without having to pay the cost of the spite. Right? That is absolutely
0: true, right? Yeah. So that's probably something we should keep in mind with the results of this study.
1: Um, uh, another spiteful gaming thing, I guess, uh, rage quitting is probably mm-hmm. a spiteful behavior. Yes, you know, I've seen that. To lose gracefully, I'm going to just leave the game. You don't get the like the point or whatever for your victory. Yeah. but I don't have to sit here and watch you, you know, victorious over me. Yeah, the classic. Uh... <laughs> Do you know who Leroy
0: Jenkins is?
1: Oh, I'd have heard the name. So
0: there is this. This is a nerdy World of Warcraft thing from probably the mid two thousands. He was a uh, uh, he was made famous for this thing. Somebody recorded it. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, his name was Leroy Jenkins. He was part of a raid group that was playing World of Warcraft, and uh, rather than you know let his team win, he ran in uh, and purposely sabotaged the team's efforts to conquer this dungeon and got them all killed and uh is is known for yelling out his name as he did it he says, Leroy jenkins and runs into this thing and kills everybody and you can hear all these guys over their little headsets getting angry at him for ruining their game
1: all right well that's 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 pretty spectacularly spiteful yeah the oh, Leroy jenkins spite model so ultimatum game uh, mm. the, the way this plays out according to the rules player a decides how a pot of money is going to be shared with player B. Okay. Half and half, say 80% for A and 20% for B. If B consented to the split, both received the agreed-upon portion. But if B rejected the offer, neither player received anything. Okay, so... Uh, I could say
0: ninety nine percent goes to me and one percent goes to you, and you would get that one percent if you agreed to it or you would get nothing and yeah. I would get nothing if you did not
1: agree to it, yeah, it's kind of like a test of sort of of ego but also trust you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. And so, uh, after they uh, they carried out this game, the researchers then allowed the players to form into mock societies, and this is where it gets really interesting. Yeah, this is like model UN here. Yeah, so the different sort of type individuals, uh, you know, assembling into these groups. Groups that work uh, full of excessively spiteful or selfish players mm-hmm. quickly collapse. So you okay. just have like a yeah. bunch of like the worst gamers in the world, (laughs) imagine trying to run a society together, it just completely falls apart because there's no structure there. Everybody's a massive jerk. Yeah, it's like a trolling community. Yeah, the trolling community is just going to be like cannibalism and madness within (laughs) an hour, right? Yeah, yeah. Likewise, you would have these rigidly fair-minded societies, and these work okay until you end up with one uh, selfish invader, and they just tear the whole thing apart. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So just one person, one or two,
0: can uh, destabilize the whole thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You have, you know, one Morlock wanders in to your peaceful <laughs> right. uh, village and, and just rips everything to shreds, falls huh.
0: apart. Okay. All right. And then they found uh, that flexible sharers, though, right, they...
1: Were able to coexist with spiteful people. Yeah, this is where we see the this interesting balance of altruism and spite, uh, because the the presence of spiteful individuals actually enhanced the rate of fair exchanges among the non spiteful. So they kind of end up balancing each other out. Yeah. So just
0: the fact, but this this requires your you know community of of people to be what we call flexible sharers here, mm-hmm. right? Um, they they. It, by their being spiteful people, there it inherently teaches them to be more altruistic. So again, this is like modeled behavior, even if it's like a almost uh, like a um, reverse psychology.
1: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, Patrick Forber, um, in the uh, the study, he said it could be that Nietzsche was right about punishment that it originated as spite and only later was turned into a mechanism for maintaining fairness and justice. Mm-hmm. This, uh, uh, podcast is, is not
0: the place for us to dive deep into this, but it also reminds me of the, the punishment theories of Michel Foucault. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, which I believe, you know, he was influenced by Nietzsche in that respect. So yeah, punishment and altruism are all connected together.
1: Yeah, I mean, it really gets into the question of what is what is a punishment for a crime? Like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to just actually right. just drive home some sort of spiteful punishment into the individual? Are you trying to make a corrective action on society, make an example, deterrence. help that person? Yeah, is it right. a deterrence? Is it punishment? Is it rehabilitation? Mm-hmm. And then whatever it is now, what did it evolve from? Yeah. yeah, rehabilitation would be seen as the altruistic version of that for sure. Yeah. yeah. And pun- whereas just pure punishment would be more on the spiteful end. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, oh, and the authors of that study also pointed out that this would make sense too. Uh, this balance that ends up being maintained because you're—it's not only the the lawful individuals in the society, the good people, the yeah. non-cheaters—that are going to contribute to the rule of law, but. Uh, the cheaters are also going to because the rule breakers also have a vested interest in punishing other rule breakers. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah it's right. like the whole scenario when you have, um, you know, gangsters take over a neighborhood and some sort of, you know, like a godfather type scenario. They're going to cut down on the crime in their turf so that they can carry out their
0: crime. Yeah, I remember reading that in one of these articles. Mm-hmm. They were that that was their example was that like the mafia is known for for protecting the neighborhood at the same time that it's criminalizing. it. Yeah. Interesting. So, uh there's two researchers involved in this study, uh, DB Krupp and Peter Taylor, uh and it looks like what they did was they developed a new theoretical model of spite, like how we understand spite, right? And like yeah. how individuals enact it.
1: Yeah, and their their key findings were that with that first of all, individuals who appear very different from most others in a group Will evolve to be altruistic towards similar partners and only slightful, slightly spiteful to those who are dissimilar to them. So, okay. So, we're talking about like an outsider scenario here. Yeah. Right? Like, I instantly think of like a high school junior yeah. high scenario, you know. So, it's like you have the, like, the cool kids and the jock kids and the kids mm-hmm. who fit into, to larger, um, more accepted groups. Yeah. Okay. And then you have, you know, the, the, the geekier crew, you know, right. uh, that, that I was definitely a part of. So, Me in this. Me too. <laughs> So in this scenario, me and you at the geeky table, yeah. we're going to be we're going to have a lot of altruism towards each other, right? And we're right. going to have maybe a little bit of spite towards the folks at the jock table, mm-hmm. but not a lot. We're not going out of our way to um, you know put things in their their lunch trays or yeah. whatever. Well, that, what what
0: I find fascinating about this aspect of the study, and there's more to it, is that it's sort of Um, debunks common thinking psychology about incidents like the Columbine shootings, right? Mm -hmm. And the idea that they were spiteful. They were outsiders who were enacting their spite upon the community that they felt like they didn't belong to. Right. Hmm. So the second part might play into that a little more.
1: Yeah, the second part is that individuals who appear very similar to the rest of the group, in other words, the the people at the jock table, et cetera, the, okay. the, the, the main population members, they will evolve to be only slightly altruistic to similar partners, okay. but very spiteful to dissimilar individuals. And they may even go out of their way to hurt them. So in this scenario... So that explains all the times that I got beat up in high school? That would yeah <laughs> that would that would fall into this because okay. you have the the main population is going to go out of their way to be spiteful and even hurt individuals that 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 look out of place, okay, but on the other side, they're only being marginally <laughs> altruistic to even their their yeah. their own kind, yeah, yeah, they're
0: they're uh, that's interesting. So this seems to connect to that um, sort of basic psychological uh, understanding of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know what I'm talking about? That, like, uh, pyramid of there are, are various needs that we as human beings have to fulfill before we can sort of uh, get to a point of self-actualization, mm-hmm. right? And this seems very connected to the Maslow's idea of belonging, right? That, like, if you feel like you belong to a group and that group is an outsider group, then you're more likely to, to care for them, to be altruistic to them. Uh, but if your group is, if you belong to a group that is, uh, I guess, more or less
1: p- popularized, mm-hmm. um, you're less likely to feel that way. Yeah, and I could also see where there's 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 more of a necessity for that altruism in that outsider group because you need each other more. For right, survival. it's a survival tactic. Yeah, whereas if you're just one of the larger dominant power structure you know what uh, it's just not as necessary mm. mm-hmm. it's more spread out even I guess so
0: it certainly, you know, I remarked. I, b- by the way, I didn't get beat up that much in high school, but uh, I, I remarked that it ex- explains schoolyard bullying, which we have down here. But it also ex- explains things like racism and prejudice, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely, you can you can take this study and apply it to just about any scenario where one group is uh, is being spiteful to a small another smaller group, or or even uh, look at you know some of your more some of your examples of just really altruistic individuals and their potential outsider status, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, just think about it. Like, who's who's weirder on the street? The guy who's walking around just being really nice to everybody or the guy who's walking around scowling? Like... who <laughs> Like, that's, sadly, that's <laughs> we often think it's the the nice individual. Like, what's what's going on with that yeah. person? What's their game? Yeah. The, the, the dude that's just being uh, spiteful, you know, he's just another grumpy individual walking around the city. All right. So things I've
0: learned about myself in this episode are that even though I'm the guy in the street scowling, I'm more likely to give a pizza to somebody if I won't get a pizza myself.
1: Right. Provided they seem to be a member of your group. Yeah. And are not Adolf Hitler. Okay. Or no, well, you I would, would get it that. I'd
0: like, still give Hitler a pizza, okay.
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I'd be
0: more likely to give, uh, you know, one of our listeners a pizza.
1: Yeah, this uh, research really had me pausing to think a lot about my actions and and some of the, the things that I've done that I've, I can look back on and say, well, there's a bit of spite in doing that. Or, or yeah. at times I'll sort of, I'll, I'll catch myself engaging in sort of fantasy spite, you know, where sure. I imagine myself being spiteful, but I don't actually do it because... Because the cost is too high, you know, yeah. I would look like a jerk, or I would just feel like a massive jerk if I did that. And I can get the same sort of momentary satisfaction by just imagining that I did it.
0: That's a th- that makes it a uniquely human thing as well, probably, right? Yeah. That we can vicariously uh, f- live out the the pleasure of spite. In our imaginations.
1: Yeah, like to go back to that chimp scenario. If we're mm-hmm. in that, you know, we can sit there and we, we can we could think to ourselves, you know, Hitler, I could just send that pizza to an empty room and you would totally deserve it. But me, yeah. I'm a really nice guy and I'm going to send you that pizza anyway. And then you high five yourself <laughs> yeah. and you walk off and probably buy pizza somewhere.
0: Well, so I want to know. Uh, you know, this obviously brought up some issues for for both of us. Uh, thinking about how we've been spiteful in the past, or maybe altruistic as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious uh, from our listeners. You know, do you feel that these studies line up with your experiences of spite in your life, or possibly altruism? Would you give Hitler the pizza, <laughs> uh, or Gandhi for that matter? Yeah. Uh, let us know. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr, and we're blow the mind on all those platforms. Or you can reach out to us on The Mothership, which is StuffToBlowYourMind.com.
1: That's right. You'll find all the podcast episodes there, all the blog posts, all the videos, links out to social media accounts, you name it.
0: And please let us know about your experiences with spite and whether they lined up with what we talked about today by writing to us at BlowTheMind at HowStuffWorks.com.